Are you unclear about your exact message and impact in this world? When I first started out my entrepreneurial journey, I wanted to help people, just like you. As I just sound like every other person offering services, I learned nothing for an entire year. But I soon realized that in this noisy market, we need a clear message to stand out and a way to amplify that message. It cost me two years and well over five figures just to uncover my hidden message and start spreading it. Hence, it is now my mission to help you uncover your message, spread it to the world and start living your legacy. Together, we aim to create a one degree shift to five million people by 2030. Join me in my journey as I interview living legends with life-changing messages that have impacted tons of people around the globe. My name is Darius and you are listening to Live Your Legacy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast. The goal of our show is to help you live your own legacy by connecting you to people and concepts that have made a tremendous impact on the lives of others. Today's legacy guest founded the Embodied Facilitator course, Embodied Yoga Principles, and Europe's first embodied business training company called Integration Training. He has 20 plus years of Aikido training and teaching, and teaching in five continents. He has now the experience of training in numerous other physical systems such as yoga, tai chi, system, I can keep on going on and on and you'll never end. So <laughs> he has taught in 50 countries and made embodiment available online through a YouTube channel with over 14 million hits. And more recently, he founded the Embodiment Podcast in 2018 and launched the groundbreaking Embodiment Conference, which was attended by over 15,000 people. Now he says that embodiment is his obsession, his life work, and his chosen field for helping people to unfuck the planet while enjoying the kick-ass circus of being human all the more. I would love, you, I'd love for you to explain more about that. So welcoming the awesome guest to our show today, Mark Walsh. Darius, thanks man, that was a great intro. Yeah, so happy to be here, right in the middle of organizing uh, the Embodiment Conference right now. It's pretty intense. We're just about to hit the 200,000 people sign up mark for this one. So it's, um, it's pretty full on right now. So it's nice to like, take time out to do an interview. Well, great. Thank, and that's exactly why I'm honored to have you on the show. So first question is, Mark, well, just like you were saying that, you know, embodiment is your obsession, right? How did you actually stumble upon embodiment? Because I think in the Asia continent, right, we are not that well versed with the word embodiment yet. Let's, we've probably heard of like yoga, somatics yeah. and things like that, but embodiment isn't a word that we frequently use. Right, so embodiment we can just look at as the umbrella term for all those things that are, you know, like in Asia, the martial arts, and that's embodied training. You know, someone in say, I don't know, school in Japan is doing kendo, that's embodied training. Yoga's embodied training. And then there's some more Western things like improv, improv, uh, Western body psychotherapies are in there. Uh, you know, different dance modalities like conscious dance could be in there. The key thing is they're all awareness-based and they're all developing the person. So this is a bit different from fitness, which is nothing wrong with fitness. I'm going to do my pull-ups later. You know, I'm just working on my muscles. I'm not working on my person. I'm not working on myself. So embodiment is this subjective idea of the body. The body is part of who we are, not just a brain taxi, not just a piece of meat, but part of who we are. And that's been my obsession, I guess, how I got into it, is I was cognitively very clever as a kid, uh, as measured as having an IQ in the top 0.01%. Wow, that's the and first. <laughs> Usually, yeah, guests no, come onto the show and no, say that, oh man, my past isn't good. <laughs> and yours is like, wow, no, I'm a pretty smart kid. Smart. Super smart. School was really easy for me. I read all the books in the library, literally every book in a high school library. They had to order books in from Cambridge. And um, but here's the thing. I was super clever, but I was miserable. 
and I was just a failure at being a human. I was alcoholic, you know, I was really fucking up my first like love relationships, intimate relationships. I was suicidal, I was ethically dubious, like everything about me as a human being was dubious. You know, I wasn't doing well as a human being, even though I was doing super well in school, right? And I thought, I thought to myself, okay, well, there must be more. There must be another way to learn how to be a human being. There must be another way to develop myself. Uh, and then uh, I was actually dealing drugs at the time and I decided I should learn some martial arts. I thought this would be good for my, you know, business self-defense kind of thing. And um, I went to university and I was still pursuing that, shall we say there, to pay my way through university. And in the first week of university, I said, right, I'm going to learn martial arts. It's an opportunity. It's free here. I walked into an Aikido school that was in the, just in the sports center, you know, so this wasn't some sort of mystique Asian kind of thing. It was just a, in a Western sports center. I walked in, I saw Aikido, this is martial art, people are throwing each other around, people were lining up in lines, it was disciplined, it was beautiful, it was flowing. And something in me went, you need that, you need that. Yeah, and I just dived into Aikido and pretty much ignored the library for the next three years and just did Aikido. I should say I did stop doing drugs pretty soon as well. But it's, um, that became an education for me, like a new kind of education. And I realized like, oh my God, I've gone through all these years of education I'm at a good university, it's the top pinnacle of Western education, and no one taught me any of this, you know? And that's crazy. So that's when I started looking at yoga and meditation and dance and all these kind of things that later on I would say, okay, we need a name for that. Embodiment's a pretty good name. Well, that's a really amazing story. Um, definitely had your shortcomings as well. Now, I think most of the time I heard you on different podcasts, people don't really dive into the fact of the Aikido part which I really want to dive into. What was it about Aikido that, you know, made you stop doing drugs as well? And like, you know, got into the whole picture of embodiment in the first place. And what was the turning point? You know, different things work for different people. So I, I don't mind being asked about Aikido. I don't very often do Aikido now, but it's part of me. It's part of my, definitely my education, but different things for different people. So I don't want anyone listening to think you can't, you know, get this through yoga or dance or, you know, different things. So for me, Aikido had this practical application, like fighting, you know, it's kind of a sort of hard style, we could say. Uh, MMA hadn't been invented yet. And it was like, okay, I need to learn to fight. And that as a young man appealed to me. I think the other thing that appealed to me was discipline. You know, I was raised in a fairly liberal environment of like hey just do what you want to do and you know it's it'll be groovy you know and then like kind of hippie parents a little bit and that didn't end well for me i needed boundaries i needed structure you know first time like a guy shouted at me in the dojo i was like oh my god you know and i i realized i was comically weak i was comically weak not just physically which was true i was unwell physically but morally and as a person i didn't have any emotional grit and I went, hang on a minute, this doesn't feel like the man I want to be. And for me, Aikido just was like this beautiful art that spoke of power, but without being abusive. You know, it's got this ethical part and it was a way to be physical, but it had more to it than sports. And I also just met really cool people for it. You know, you get part of a club, so, you know, this was very cool. And I just realized that on some level, it's just my body loved it. And following what the body loves is really important it wasn't easy for me like i was really bad at aikido at first uh but i noticed it was some sense of meaning for me in aikido and particularly when i started to find people who were combining aikido with psychology i hadn't yet come across the word embodiment but there was some teachers i found on the internet which was new so i'm going to show my age now you know this new thing called the internet and i was like like uh 
oh my god look what they're doing in california oh my god look at this this looks so cool you know and i found these awesome teachers who were using aikido we could say off the mat and i was studying psychology at the same time so that kind of made sense to me i ended up doing my dissertation on it and after university at the end of university i went to a careers fair so this is like where all these tables are laid out in a hall and there's different companies and i walked around and i spoke to them and all of them looked like half dead you know and i thought and my soul was just bleeding as I talked to these people. And I, you know, do I want to join this accountancy firm? No. Do I want to join this marketing firm? No. You know, and I just thought, and I actually left in tears because I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? What the hell am I going to do? You know, I don't want to get a job. I'm 20 years old. I'm graduating from university at 20 years old. And I'm um, you know, a year early, but I was like, what do I do now? And I thought, you know what? The only thing I really love is like, you know, so I'm just going to find a way to do that. And I traveled around, I stayed in dojos, like old school Mr. Miyagi shit, you know, painting people's fucking <laughs> walls, and cleaning their cars and living in this Aikido schools, first in Britain. Yeah, you know, just to sort of just being the apprentice and carrying their bags and folding their hakama, which is like a kind of um, Aikido dress. And uh, then I started finding dojos in America that were more like psychologically orientated and I went and lived with them. And, ended up getting involved in Aikido related peace project um, in the Middle East, in Cyprus with the UN. And uh, this was like, and this was the next turning point. Because up till then I thought Aikido was about fighting and it was kind of good for you. But at that point I realized, oh my God, we can work with trauma. You know, I met Paul Linden. I said, we can work with leadership. I met Richard Strozzi Heckler. We can work with politics. I met this guy called Don Levine, who was Obama's boss at one point in Chicago University. I met guys in the slums of Brazil working with favela kids. I met guys running a circus in Ethiopia, using it in East Africa for peace and for education. I met guys in the Middle East, you know, in Israel doing it with peace work. And I went, oh my God, there's so much more than Aikido. Because it's so much more than just wrist locks and throwing people around, like that's boring. What was interesting for me was what was in the Aikido, what made the Aikido work, what made it applicable to life. And that I later realized was called embodiment or somatics. And then I realized I didn't have to be attached to Aikido. You know, I could, you could find that through yoga, you know, you could find that through dance, you can find it through other things. Uh, so that's when the field opened up to me. And actually I also realized Aikido didn't have everything. Right, because you, normally people get into one thing and they love it and that's great, but they go like, yoga is everything or Five Rhythms has everything or Feldenkrais has everything and it doesn't. And it's other things that you learn, like for example, you're never gonna learn comedy through Aikido, but actually that's part of being human, laughing, making people laugh so you can study improv. You know, like no one cares about your feelings in Aikido because it's Japanese martial art. No one gives a shit how you feel, right? Whereas like in therapy, that's really important. You know, intimacy, it's not, you know, I, I started, I went to tango and all of a sudden there was like women in fabulous shoes who smelt wonderful and oh my God, it's like a whole music. It's like a whole nother world that Aikido didn't have. So this is when I became a generalist and now I'm a generalist. I still do some martial arts, some yoga, some meditation, maybe two hours a day, different things, but um, I'm interested in everything now, which is how things like the podcast and the conference came into being because I like everything. And now, now that you've discovered like so many different uh, martial arts and different activities as well, when you first came up with the whole idea of embodiment, how did you actually, you know, go about telling people? Because people will be like, this guy is a bit crazy, right? <laughs> I can imagine like you saying that I'm a generalist and then you're trying to put it into like, okay, um, we're going to name this coin this term embodiment and people going like, oh, what? Listen, it depends who I'm talking to. And I did learn, you had to get good at sales, right? You learn empathy and perspective shifting because if i'm talking to a leader 
I'll explain it one way. I'll say, hey, do you know a leader that has like charisma and impact and presence? And do you know another leader who's read all the books, but they're, you know, they, they don't really have it? Do you know what I mean? And everyone knows what I mean, who's a leader. And, I, and I'll say, I teach that. Or if they're, you know, stressed, I'll say, hey, when you get stressed, what does your breathing do? Like, oh, you know, I stop breathing, my shoulders get tense. So everyone understands that. That's not rocket science. You say, okay, I can give you a solution to that. Do you want it? Or, you know, you guys are entrepreneurs, right? So if I was talking to entrepreneurs, I'd talk about sustainability, for example. Yeah? Like, how do you work a 15-hour day, six days a week, and burn out? Or how do you find your passion? You know, I've helped a lot of people with that. They're like, oh, I'm stuck in a job I hate. You know, I want to be an entrepreneur. What should I do, Mark? And I'm like, well, if you're not listening to your body, you're going to have no idea what to do. Okay, great. So now we're moving on more towards um, helping the entrepreneurs part, right? Which is, I would like to really ask this very interesting question. I mean, usually people have a very normal response of like, oh, you know, you can do this in order to get this result for entrepreneur. But uh, this question is going to be very specific to like, what kind of embodiment activities can we actually do? So let's say for an entrepreneur who is like burning out, right? What can we actually do with regards to embodiment, specifically to embodiment actually? Okay, so first of all, if they, if they had an embodied practice, they'd be a lot less likely to get to that point. So even if it was just like meditating 10 minutes a day, or even like setting your iPhone to go off five times a day in an alarm, and then every time it goes off, you just check in with yourself. Am I working sustainably right now? Yeah? Am I working in a way, like right now, it's, what is it, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. In, in England, 10 a.m. now. Okay, I'm going to be working till 10 p.m. And I've already done two hours, okay? So I've got, an, I've got another 10 hours. So right now I'm being interviewed by you, right? If I'm not enjoying this, if I'm not in flow, if I'm not relaxed, I hope I am. I mean, I'm going to be dead at 10. You know, I'm going to have no energy to fuck my wife at 10 p.m. You know, that's, that's a tragedy. You know, everyone's unhappy Welsh household. So I'd say like checking in with your body about how sustainable you are, developing some small, quick mindfulness practice. So mindfulness, as you've probably heard of, is a base of embodiment. So mindfulness is awareness, embodiment, we add to that choice. We add to that shifting how we are. So it's not like, oh, I'm fucked up. It's, oh, I'm fucked up and I can unfuck myself, you know? So I might give you an entrepreneur a simple breathing technique, like relax your belly, take a long, slow out breath. <sighs> Do that shit 10 times a day for 30 seconds each time. That's a five minute investment. No matter how busy you are as an entrepreneur, you got five minutes. Okay, so this is why I give maybe someone who was just beginning. If someone was more like more interested in it, I'd give them a practice to develop themselves. See, here's the mistake most entrepreneurs, most business people generally make. They think that their business, the main thing they should focus on is like their tools, their systems, their marketing, but that's all based on you, right? Your physical well-being, of course, your energy levels. Uh, you know, but also the kind of person you are. So if you're stuck in the embodiment of being like, I don't know, super negative, that's what you're going to convey to all your prospects. That's what you're going to convey every time you have a business meeting. Okay. If you're stuck in the embodiment of, I don't know, being slow, you're not going to be able to respond quickly to markets. Yeah. So I would ask them like, okay, what's the problem you have? Like Darius, what for you as an entrepreneur, what's the sticking point for you? Give me an example. Probably, um, you know, the rush, there's it's always a rush from um, one thing to the other. I think that's one of the main problems I have. Listen, mate, I'm ADHD. I understand it, okay? All my family are ADHD. So you can have a practice of, say, Qigong of slowing down or Tai Chi, right? And actually learning what that body is that just stops for a moment and takes a breath, 
right? And you, you can still move quick. I move real quick. I speak quick. And listeners might be too quick for some. But there's the ability to slow down when needed and take a breath. Yeah. And we could give you like a little practice, like 30 seconds of breathing, 10 times a day. Or we could give you a bigger practice, like, right, where do you live, Darius? Where do you live? Singapore. Okay. Good Aikido teacher in Singapore. I can send your ass to him. Okay. Or, or Tai Chi. Definitely some Tai Chi there. Okay. So if you were committed and you're my student, I'd say, right, let's find you a Tai Chi teacher. We send you to do some homework. And maybe you don't like Tai Chi. So you come back to me. I say, right, you didn't like Tai Chi. Let's try yoga. Send to a yoga teacher. Right. So we might have to do some experimenting, find you a practice, which is really suitable. But here's the thing. It's what builds the embodiment you need. So for any entrepreneur out there, you can ask yourself to be a successful entrepreneur. Yes, you might need investors. Yes, you need to learn about marketing. Learn about marketing, great. But what's the embodiment you need? Because that underpins everything you know about marketing, everything you know about investors, whatever the subject is. And that's what people really buy. They buy you, right? Like even my enemies say, you know what? Mark's an idiot, but he, he loves embodiment. You know, he you know, like they, that passion, that enthusiasm for I the subject. Tell. I can tell just from this right. 20 minutes so far. Like, like, I, like you, you, sent, you sent me a message saying, hey, do you want an interview? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Fuck it, I don't mind. Like, I didn't really even look into it. I was just like, yeah, I don't mind talking about what I love. So it gives me energy, you know? So, um, you know, that, that's where it would be my starting place. Is that helpful, Darius? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I was very interested in the whole point of what activities should we pursue in embodiment and then you pretty much say it's a lot about exploration a lot about discovery and self-awareness right which is knowing what actually works best for us and each of us so i think that really answered the question uh, what do you need to build and i've got a whole chapter in this in my book ching, 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 uh, embodiment if people want to read that chapter it's all about how to pick a practice it's a really critical thing the mistakes most people make is they either do what they like and that, that's okay, it's better than nothing, but the problem is then you might just deepen your neurosis. You know, like you'll pick something really fast and get more fast, it doesn't help, okay? Or they go, oh, Mark did Aikido, or my teacher did karate, so I should do that. And it's like, well, no, don't copy your teacher. What do you need? And then we have what's practically available, like you're in Singapore, you've got lots of options. Someone living in the countryside in the middle of china they're, they're gonna have different choices you know so it's uh there's also what's available right where i live there's a really good yoga center that's just near my house so that's a good bet you know i heard you talk a lot about on other podcasts like the different principles of embodiment and things like that but can we just focus down on a few principles or, or maybe yeah. do you think that you know every principle is actually important to actually entrepreneurs who want to create a massive impact in the market Okay, so look at it, the key principles, awareness and choice. So for an entrepreneur to become aware of their states, like when they're tired, when they're going to burn out, right? For example, when they're enthusiastic and it's a good time to do some sales calls, right? And their traits, which are less obvious. So their personality characteristics, yeah? Awareness of those two things. So what kind of an entrepreneur are you? What should you be doing? What should you not be doing? What should you be outsourcing? Like I outsource all details to my secretary. She's great with details. I'm ter I'm horrible at details. Yeah. So they said, I know this about myself, but we've also, as well as awareness, got choice. So how do we shift our state? You've got a sales meeting, you're depressed because your girlfriend just said you had a small penis or whatever, right? It's like, okay, how do you get out of that? Okay. How do you step out of that? You're angry because your mom just shouted at you. How do you get out of that? Right. Or else you're just a victim of your state. And, and then that's no good. And then how do we develop our traits over time? Okay. This is the practice. 
we practice. So I've got a student, she's too nice. She's as an entrepreneur, it's a real problem for her because she doesn't ask for enough money. She doesn't say no to things. She's too bloody nice. Okay. I sent her to kickboxing. Yeah. It's like, I said, learn to kick the crap out of people. Right. It's like, now she's not so nice. She's like, I want a pay rise. This isn't good enough. You didn't get it. You know, she's learned this embodiment. She's shifted. So at least, even if it's not her default, she's shifted. So she's got this option. And you know, some people are too nice, some people are too cerebral, some people are too aggressive, some people are too fast, whatever. We all need uh, something. We're all fucked up in different ways, right? Definitely. Okay, so let's say, right, I'm totally new to embodiment, right? What's my first step towards practicing it other than picking a, a sport? Yeah, I would say pick an activity that you enjoy, first of all, before you try and get too selective. Uh, you could look at like a basic centering video. That's a really practical tool. Like if people go to YouTube, put in ABC centering, S-C-E-T-R-I-N-G. They, um, they could buy my book. If they want to look at that, they could listen to my podcast or listen to a few people. I'd say the main thing though, is just to start some kind of practice for yourself. You don't need experts. You don't need to pay people money. Just, uh, you know, maybe you go for a little walk every day, just get a bit more in your body, spend a bit more time in nature. Maybe you do a little 10 minute meditation every day whatever appeals to you that's going to bring you a bit more body awareness because that's the foundation for all the other stuff and you know depends on what you like doing right for some people it might be going to the park every day for some people it might be doing yoga i think practice is the key you could read 20 books about embodiment and look at 200 youtube videos of mine and listen to 500 podcasts but that's not really where it's at you know it's you really got to find your own practice i just want to inquire more about your own practice like what are the daily habits i mean most of our what what we most of how we are formed to be as people are built based on habits right so what are some daily habits that you actually do to enforce embodiment into your daily practice okay so i definitely think in terms of book ending the day so uh, at the beginning of the day i hug my wife i always have a, a at least a five to ten minute spoon with my wife to get like touch relaxation connection I get out of bed, normally I pee, make a coffee, and then I meditate. Um, often I do some breath work, it may be energizing or relaxing breath work, depending on what I need that day. If it's my day off, it's more relaxing. Today was like Wim Hof, energizing. Okay, I might do a little uh, movement practice, like a little bit of yoga, a little bit of Qigong. There's an online Qigong class I go to uh, several days a week. Um, so yeah, that would be my sort of morning practice. And then in the day, I barefoot walk while I'm coaching people. So I walk 15 to 20,000 steps a day and several, two or three hours is usually in the day where I'm just walking in the park barefoot and I'm coaching someone while I walk. So I'm at work, but I'm still doing an in-body practice. You know? um, lunch, I always make sure I stop for lunch, enjoy some real food, don't have it at the computer, that's important. The end of the day, most of the time, I do some kind of a class so it might be like today I have Krav Maga martial arts class. Okay. And, uh, sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's conscious dance. Depends on the opportunity. Like I'm in Russia next week. So I'm going to do a Sistema class. It's like a Russian martial arts class. Right. Just because I'm in Russia. Why not? You know, uh, then at the end of the day, I might practice a gratitude practice with a little bit of bowing. I might do a little bit of stretching. Uh, and then I have a bubble bath for uh, like 30 minutes to an hour where I uh, listen to uh, science fiction uh, Warhammer law, just totally forget about work and people's psychological problems. And I relax in the bubble bath and ch really chill out. Like rest is important. Um, so that's the end of my day. And that is pretty much a full day.
I mean, that's actually very interesting because usually people have like, like what you say, embodiment is a variety of every activity they can possibly do, right? And usually people stick to one and then that's how like, you know, they go about on with their habits, but you tend to pick like different and many other activities just, I guess it's to activate different parts of um, your whole body and your mind and experience so as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not bad for beginners just to pick one thing. At first, like I had Aikido for years. I just did Aikido, right? Just uh, nothing wrong with that. But I think as you get more sophisticated, you can, it's like eating different food groups, you know? You can, you can, you can be a bit more choiceful in it. Meditation's very consistent for me as a practice. But other than that, it's the, like, you know, with the Krav Maga, I'm just like, you know what? I'm stressed. I just need to hit something tonight. You know, I need to go kick the shit out of something. So it's like other days I'm like, oh, you know, I'm tired. I want to do a slow practice. I don't want to go to crab and gas. So I'm picking based on need and opportunity. Okay, great. So I really want to dive now that you talk about need, right? And you talk a lot about it as well in your articles and, and videos. So now how do we make that link between like the activity or spot that we choose to fulfilling that need uh, that we have? Yeah, I mean, I, I say the, the question is, what's the body it builds? What's the way of being it develops? And, you know, you can look around at other people in the club and say, do I want to be like them? Yeah. Or you can just simply ask yourself, how do I feel after this? You, how does it shift me? Does it shift me in a way that I want to make a habit? Or does it shift me in a way that might not be helpful? You know, if I go to a crab maga and I start real aggressive afterwards, I might not want to keep doing that, right? You know, if I'm exhausted and I'm like, oh, okay, this doesn't really fit with my lifestyle, you know? So, um yeah, there's the, um, the, the, the key questions for me. Okay, great. So moving on to like the legacy segment, which I talk a lot about your own vision for embodiment and the movement and the future. So first thing is like, what's your own vision for the impact that you want to have with embodiment? Okay, first of all, I love this idea of legacy. I love this idea that you're going to die one day and presence in death is so essential. I, I, all the, you know, I've worked in war zones. I've been around a lot of death. You know, I've had friends that have killed themselves. I thought about killing myself many times when I was young. And I've been on the edge of death myself. And death presencing is the key to finding purpose. It's the, and, and legacy is a nice way of thinking about this. Like, what's more important than me? So when I'm dead, it's still alive. So that's the question I would have for all of us at the beginning is that death meditation. Um, you know, for me, I've chosen embodiment as a field. It feels like what's most passionate, most alive for me. I would like to see it spread. Uh, around the world so it's totally normalized so it's really normal like my niece she's 10 years old she's growing up it just becomes totally normal for her to talk about yoga or aikido it's just like i don't know like you don't ask how a fridge works right you just know how a fridge works it's just normal to you right like no one but when fridges were invented in the 50s people had to like explain what it did you know you put things aside it makes it cold you know so um i would like it to be that normal and i have some specific goals so uh, I would certainly like to reach on the internet at least 10 million people. Um, I mean, our podcast, our YouTube channels are all past that already, but a load, a load of those are sort of trashy hits maybe. So, uh, you know, our podcast got half a million downloads. So, you know, 10 to 100 million would be nice to influence. And on the small scale, I want to teach 200 students to be better than me. So I, I want to give birth to 200 little embodiment teacher student babies, you know? And I've, this is the first wave of those are coming through. Some of my students um, who are uh, going to be better than me for sure within a few years. So you know, that's there's a couple of the pieces, and then there's specific projects. Right, I want I want to write ten books before I die. Yeah, uh, I've written two now. 
um, the podcast, I want to do a thousand episodes because that's a huge free resource. A thousand hours. We're on 300, I think now. Uh, the conference, my aim there is, is we're on 200,000 people. We may hit 400,000. I'd quite like to hit half a million in terms of reaching people. Um, and then, you know, I have my entrepreneurial goals, financial goals, things like that. But in terms of legacy, it's really about the, what I leave behind in embodiment. Now, I just want to dive in on that point of the deaf presence and meditation. What's that all about, actually? <laughs> now, that, that's something that really intrigues me because I really okay. fully agree with the whole point of like, you know, and then the whole day we're going to die. What is the impact that actually we want to have once we leave uh, this place? Yeah, I mean, this is a classic way to do it. You know, in Buddhism, there's, you know, Theravada and Tibetan Buddhism, there's, there's classic deaf meditations. And also I've seen it happen to people accidentally. You know, they got shot at or, you know, they had a cancer. And, you know, all of a sudden they're like, wow, life is short. You know, Tyler Durden, you know, what did you want to do before you were dying, Darius Tan? You know, like it's, 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 this is a classic theme in a lot of traditions. And I think we hide death away. I think COVID has given a little bit of more exposure to death in some places, but still we hide it away. We pretend we're going to live forever and that's bullshit. So, you know, I think the more we presence it and it could be on a, you know, the samurai would every day think of a thousand ways to die before breakfast. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that hardcore, but I think several times a year you should, you know, walk through a graveyard and really reflect upon it. Like actually my niece and nephew, they've got a graveyard next to the house and I'm actually really happy about it. You know, because it's like every day they look out their window and they go, okay, this is not permanent. Now, I'm not saying we should, you know, freak kids out or anything, right? Sometimes they just need a bit of love. But it's not a bad thing to wake up, you know, to realize as a kid that ooh, your, time is, your time is limited. Oh, great. So next thing is if you had to start all over again, right, what would you do to really spread this message of embodiment? <laughs> well, first of all, I'd love, I love the question. And I'd love to start over again. Like entrepreneurs who haven't yet got money or fame who haven't yet made it you're so lucky you are so lucky like that is the most precious time because it's exciting it's everything's possible everything's new you're a beginner's mind you're, you're still struggling you're fighting you, know, you look ahead and you go oh, what i really want to do is to be sitting on a yacht with naked chicks no you don't Okay, you're in the best place. So I would, would love to start again. I'd love to have that naivety, that innocence, that not jadedness, not corrupt. You know, we get corrupt. Greed makes us corrupt. It takes us away from it. And that is a constant battle as you start to get successful. The worldly winds in Buddhism, they call them, start blowing. You know, fame, praise, money, sex. Once that shit starts coming, it's really easy to get blown off purpose. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say in terms of what would I do differently? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's worked out pretty well so far, but, uh, there's probably a few people along the way that I'd be nicer to and not alienate. Um, I'd give myself, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'd push myself less hard, but I'd realize I, I, I definitely have learned to work more sustainably. Um, yeah, I have to think about that. Good question. So what do you think is really like your biggest mistake or and that re created like a huge learning experience throughout your uh, decades in embodiment? My biggest mistake as an entrepreneur, as an embodiment teacher, as a human being, what are we talking? Um, maybe you can go on with uh, in embodiment while doing embodiment. Um, I think at first my mistake was thinking that Aikido was everything and was being sort of provincial and kind of fundamentalist. And my next mistake was trying to do everything. And I, I think seeing it one-sidedly 
you know, there's different, like, for example, there's a liberal side to embodiment and a conservative side. And at first the mistake was like, oh, you know, just going one side or the other. Most of these things require balance. Um, so that's one mistake I've made. You know, as an embodiment teacher, I would say trying to sort of push everyone, treat everyone the same as a student. Some students need to be like, I was like martial arts style at first, you know, like sensei, you know, this kind of vibe. And um, I realized that for everyone that wasn't good. Okay, so now I'd like adapting my teaching style to different people. So I think that's important. Um, chasing states, getting too much into embodiment that's about sort of getting high. Uh, that's tempting. That's a another mistake is to let embodiment take over your life. So, you know, if you're doing eight hours of Aikido a day or eight hours of yoga a day, I mean, where's your life, right? Like, you know, there's a sort of obsessive addictive quality that could be a mistake. I, in my book, actually, there's a, a piece on like traps on the path. Uh, another one was like thinking you're from another culture, right? So we've got a hilarious situation here, Darius, where a lot of people in the West are like thinking they're Asian, you know? Like, like, like thinking they're like Aikido guys and they speak with a Japanese accent or some shit. Or, yeah, they go to Bali and they, you know, they kind of like dress up as a hippie and they kind of think that what makes them more embodied is this like having like a yoga voice that's really spiritual, you know? So I, I feel like that was never my mistake, but that's a mistake I see a lot of people making is they get attached to the form of the practice. Whether that's the clothes, the Instagram, the image, the words, the speaking in a funny way, like people... You know, Bruce Lee, do not confuse the finger pointing at the moon with the moon, you know? Like, it's like the finger is the form. The moon is the, the heavenly glory. Bruce had such a cool way of putting things. Um, I can't get away with it. But it's, it's, it's like, for me, that's the fundamental thing that you don't confuse the form with the real benefits of it. Now, then what do you think is like your biggest mistake? And I really love how you have already this, this is pretty much a lot of self-reflection going through the process. That's why you can actually answer them pretty easily and uh, readily. So what do you think is like your biggest mistake uh, when it comes throughout your whole period of life right now? Oh, I don't know. Part of me longs for my first love who I mistake, made a mistake with at 16. 10 years of alcoholism was probably a mistake. Um, I don't like to look at, I like prefer to look at things I've learned rather than focus on mistakes. And what, what do you think are your biggest learning experience then from all these uh, mistakes that you've made? I mean, embodiment, I, I could talk about that for hours. I mean, I think maybe let's talk about business. So, I mean, the first mistake I made was not learning basic business skills um, and thinking, you know, hey, I'm a good embodiment teacher, that's going to be enough, which is arrogant, and actually learning some basic marketing skills, that was key learning for me. Um, just like, you know, I can teach someone the basics of marketing in three hours. You know, you know, it doesn't need to be a long time. Um, so I think learning the basics of marketing is massively empowering, whatever you do. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely something I've learned along the way. The other thing to learn is what gets you to point A to B won't get you to point C or D. So I'll give you an example of that. So I was very provocative at first. Now that comes naturally to me. It's very authentic. And, you know, actually the first mistake I make was trying to be too conservative and not provocative like trying to be like Mr. Business Friendly. And then I realized like, hey, I'm Irish family, I swear, you know, I'm kind of rough, you know? And it's like blue collar. So the, and then the second mistake was to go, like first mistake was not being authentic. Second mistake was being almost too authentic and just being really provocative all the time and really rude and controversial. You know, I gave a couple of jokes to this interview, but I toned it down, you know? And I think I made the mistake of thinking, well, actually being provocative did get me an audience but now I'm in a more mature position. It's like I've gone from the sort of wild prince to the king. And in that situation, 
you you're in a very different position and it's no longer appropriate to do some of the things that got me success 10 years ago so it's seeing which stage of the journey you're on and what what you need to leave behind that was useful and now isn't I think that would be extremely important to every entrepreneur listening to that, especially I super agree with the whole A to B and that doesn't bring you to C and D because every part of the stage requires different skill sets, different right. mindsets, different things and abilities as well. And so, And also on authenticity, like so I'd say to the entrepreneurs, stop pretending to be Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay, stop it. And I love Gary, but Gary's Gary. You're not Gary. Okay, it's like stop pretending to be Seth Godin. Stop pretending to be whoever is your sort of you know guru. Um, fuck the gurus. You know you've got to be you. You've got to find your own style. And if you know you and I were from a different culture, a different age, we're gonna have a different style. That's fine, right? And like finding your own style sooner rather than later is so important. Great. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well because I've always been telling people like you know you can't be another person, right? If you are trying to be someone else, then you're not being yourself, right? Then what you're being is just being another follower instead of being a, a true leader that you are supposed to be. So last two questions, which is, uh, what does living a legacy mean to you? I don't know. I, I think for me, just living, working every day towards something that matters to me. Yeah. And being unattached to the outcome. So if you start thinking about the future too much and like, you know, I really want to leave behind this. I want to do that. Focus on what's in front of you. Do what you love. Do what's meaningful to you. Do what makes a difference. Not just what you enjoy, but what makes a difference. What's meaningful. Focus on the thing that's in front of you and do the best job if you can on that. You know, for me, there's also this idea of I want to be doing work that I love with people that I love. So I'm not interested in customers I don't like. I'm not interested in colleagues I don't like. I'm just not. Okay. Um, in places that you love. So this is key. A lot of people forget about the place. Like I was working on this beautiful farm in Kent, which is called the Garden of England yesterday, uh, last week. Really beautiful green farm, teaching really nice students from around the world and, you know, really cool colleagues that I like having dinner with and doing great work. And I think those three components are really important. Um, you know, and also you're not going to get your time back. So maybe your legacy is actually just that you spent time with your wife or your niece or your nephew or your husband or whatever, you know, like, your legacy doesn't have to be 10 books that you've written, right? That's great. But if at the end of my life, I've been a positive influence on my, on my niece and nephew, I'll be happy. So That's like, like you have to have this external thing. That's probably the most balanced uh, meaning I've heard so far because usually people really? go for like, yeah, yeah. I think most of the guests I have is always about the impact, about the vision, driving across the message that you have. But you know, you, you really go down to the whole point of like, you know what, it's a lot about enjoying me. moments. <laughs> enjoying <laughs> moments with other people Sorry, as well. okay we're nearly done right yep correct and so last question is what do you think is like your biggest advice to people who want to live a legacy don't listen to people's advice all advice is shitty never listen to anyone's advice particularly if you didn't ask for it there's my advice okay great <laughs> i think that's that's probably a very unconventional answer and advice as well so uh thanks for being on the show mark walsh and to those people who enjoyed the podcast leave a review and subscribe to it and download this as well and till the next episode start living your legacy guys thank you very much people want to find me on the internet they can look up the embodiment conference the embodied facilitator course or any of the things we mentioned so great no thanks, worries. Darius. everything is gonna be down in the link below as well